chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her, for was it? That, that don't look right. Does that look right? Hang on a second, I'm going to check something. Does that look right, Sil? No. Yeah, it is. There was no gloom for her, it was an anguish. In the former time, he brought into the contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he was made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. They are glad when they divide the spoil. Verse 4, For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle of Tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for this time of worship to celebrate uh, this Christmas season. What a way to kick off this moment in time where we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And Lord, right now I ask you to bless this word as we talk about this glorious hope that we now have because of this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So today, Lord, challenge our hearts. Focus us this season in Christmas, not on the trees and the tinsels and the presents, but on the presence of your Son. Be with us right now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hope. Man, Advent season. It's cool stuff. We've never done Advent here in the, in the context of four straight. You're supposed to light candles, and I, I didn't buy candles. I don't, I'd probably buy the wrong candle. It would be the wrong collar candle. Amen. But we're going to focus for the next four weeks on the Advent. And as Pastor Mark said, it's hope, it's peace, it's joy, and it's love. But, you know, here in Isaiah, um, we read, uh, it's a Christmas text. For unto us a, a child is given, for unto us a son is born. He was born for us. He came for us. He was, came to rescue us. He came to save us. He came to free us. We needed him. Well, we've all walked in darkness, right? We've all walked in darkness. Some of you are not me. Oh, yeah. The, well, until you met Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you were walking in darkness. Now, it may have been as bright as this sun that's outside today, right? But I'm telling you, in the spiritual, you were walking in darkness, and we've all walked in darkness. But we've also, if you've met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've seen a great light. You've seen a great light as well. Light has shined upon the entire earth. Now the entire earth does not always seek the light, do they? They might even, in fact, act like the light does not even exist. But the light was wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. For unto us a child is born. The Message Bible says, for a child has been born for us. A child has been born for us. He came for us. Never forget that. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You know, there's four stages in life. You know that? There's four stages in life. When one believes in Santa Claus. When one who doesn't believe in Santa Claus. When one plays Santa Claus. And finally, when one looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> Those are the four stages of life. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Good stuff. Gosh. 
And we this year at Living Faith Church, we're going to be focusing on the Advent, the birth of our Jesus Christ. The four themes are simple, yet they are very profound to what the Christmas message truly brings to us. Hope, peace, joy, and love. We will take the next four Sundays and celebrate Advent to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which simply means coming or arrival. Advent is a season of preparation. That's what we're doing. We're preparing for the next four Sundays. We're preparing for that glorious moment in time when Jesus took the form of a man, started out in a dark mother's womb. We think about it. He was, he was born in darkness, right? Mother's, there's no light bulbs in a mother's womb. In a dark womb, light bursts forth. We're going to celebrate that over the next four Sundays. So I ask you to be here for the monologue, for the, for the trees, for the lights, for the kids. December 16th, uh, youth are going to be singing a Christmas song for us. They got a band. When I, was, I preached over a couple of weeks ago, they literally had a whole band. They had bass players, guitar players, keyboard players, singers. I asked them to come over and sing a song for us on December 16th. Their band, their singers are going to come and sing a Christmas carol for us or something. I don't know. They may sing God Gave Rock and Roll to You. I don't know what they're going to sing. But they're going to sing for us. Amen. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Man, it's going to be a good time. I know the youth or the children's church will be doing a, 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 a presentation uh, later in the month of December as well. Just a lot and lot of stuff going on. So get involved. Amen. But today, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ. This month, we're celebrating the arrival or the coming of our Savior. Christmas is more than, than gifts. It's more than magic. It's more than, than, than garland. It's more than mistletoes. It's so much more than all that. And for us to truly experience Advent this Christmas season, we need to forget our to-do lists. We need to forget where we're supposed to be, or what we're supposed to wrap, or what we're supposed to buy. And let's focus on our Savior. Let's focus on our Savior. So today, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about hope. Hope is a noun and a verb. Did you know that? It's a noun and a verb. It can be used in, as a noun, and it can be used as something that has action. I thought that was a really cool point. Uh, the, noun ver- the noun says it's a feeling of expectation, a feeling of trust. Hope the verb, I thought this was a really cool definition, third person present. That's what it says in Webster's. When hope is a verb, there is a third person present. Man, think about that. The Christian has a third, our hope, there's a third person present, right? It's not just me and Kelly, there's someone else involved with Don and Kelly. There's a third person, it is Christ himself. There's a third person present. It also means to wanting something to happen. I think hope and faith should be lived, not just wished for, right? But lived out, they also should be lived out on days. We talk about it all the time, that your faith should be live and active. Guess what? Your hope should be alive and it should be active. It shouldn't, your hope today shouldn't just be a noun. It shouldn't be used in context where it's just a noun. Your hope should be a verb. I'm hoping. I'm not, it's not a noun, it's a verb. Our hope should be an action. So I challenge you this season, as we, as we focus on the next four weeks, let those verbs be verbs, let they be an action. Let they do something. Let them mean something. And if our faith is to be lived out, then our hope should be lived out. Amen? Because our hope is in our faith. Right? My hope today is in my faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it's in. Christianity is all about hope. It's a faith that looks forward to the future, to the time when God's promises will be fulfilled. That was true in God's people prior to Christ's birth as they looked forward to the birth of their promised Messiah. 400 years of silence they endured. 
prior to his birth. It was true for Mary and Joseph as they looked down at their newborn son, knowing that the time for the fulfillment of God's promise had finally come. And it's even true to us today. As we look forward to the return of Christ, our faith is a now and a future-focused faith. Our hope is now. Our hope is also in the future. We hope for many things. We hope our beach trips that will never rain, right? We judge our beach trips if it rains. Like, we're, like it's not supposed to rain when we're at the beach. I hope it doesn't rain on vacation. Amen. Right? I hope it doesn't rain. Sometimes I need a little rain. I get so much sun, I need a little bit of rain. Right? I don't want to be a lobster all week. I need a little bit of rain. We, we hope our clothes will still fit next summer. Right? Gosh, Christmas next year. Man, I hope my clothes fit me next summer. Some people hope there's food on the table tomorrow. Some hope they have a warm place to sleep tonight. Some hope tomorrow will even come. We all hope for many things. That's not to degrade or downgrade that you not even want it to rain on your vacation, right? But there is so much more going on around us than rain. For beach trips. We all need hope. We all need this thing called hope. We need it. If we ever needed something in our world, it's hope. Today. Hope it'll be okay. Hope it will all work out. Hope for the future. Hope for today. Christmas is a reminder. There's hope. This babe wrapped in swallowing clothes is a reminder that there is hope for the world today. There is hope for the hurting. There's hope for the helpless. There's hope for the brokenhearted. There is hope for forgiveness. Amen. It's a season of hope. Christmas is a constant reminder that hope is here. Hope has arrived. Salvation, your salvation, my salvation was wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That's hope. It was in that baby, not in Mary, not a certain religion. Not in some tradition, but in this Christ child. He is our Savior. He is here. He is our hope. He's our hope. Hope only goes forward. Let me tell you this morning. Hope only goes forward. Hope doesn't go backwards. I can't hope that yesterday changed. I can't do anything about yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Hope is now and hope is future. Hope doesn't have a reverse. Hope doesn't have a rewind. Hope doesn't you can go back and redo something. That's not hope. It's wishful thinking. That's not hope. When we trust Christ with our lives, that's what hope does. It trusts. Amen. Amen. When, when, I, when I say, Lord, I want you to take over my life, I'm putting my hope in him. I'm really saying, I trust you, God. I trust you. I don't want you, but I want to trust him. Amen. I want to trust him with every aspect of my life. It's, it's easy for us to trust him with certain aspects of our life, but it's not easy for us to trust him with every aspect of our life. But when we say, God, I trust you or I put my hope in you, you know what that says? God, I'm allowing you to influence me. My hope in you is going to influence me. That's what we're saying when we say, God, I hope in you. I can put my hope in you. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that was us, so that we might receive the adoption as Sons. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. When you understand the why, then I think it becomes so much more alive to us. Right? Now, y'all have heard me share before, I love to explain why. My children would rather me just say because I said so, right? Than explain the why. They would rather me tell me, that's just the way it is, get over it. But not me, I like to pre- pre- break it all down for it. They would rather me just tell them, this is just because I said so, Don. That's right. I didn't like that as a kid. That's why I like expounding on things, right? I like everybody to know. But when we know the why, hope is so powerful, I think it changes things. When we know the why we needed this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, I think it becomes more alive to us. And I just read to you why. We were under the law. We were cursed. We were separated from God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why we needed hope. That's why we needed this Jesus. That's why we needed this Messiah. That's why we need hope. When you understand why we needed a Savior, it means more, doesn't it? It means more. Our only part, let me tell you this, our only part of this Christmas story, the only part of the Christmas story that we're involved in is that we're broken and hopeless. That's it. That's our only part. We are broken and hopeless. That's all I'll bring to this story. That's it. I'm broken and I am hopeless. Yet there was one who came to restore me and to bring me hope. That's my only part of the Christmas story. That's all I bring. That's my gift. That's all I've got. I'm broken. I'm hopeless. But he came to bring me hope. He came to bring it. He is the gift. Sin creates a barrier between God and us. So this is where Jesus comes in. This is where the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes comes in. He came to earth on the first Christmas as a human. He was fully God and fully man. Howard Ryan would always say he was only 200% man to ever live. He was 100% God and 100% man. Then he grew up living a perfect life of obedience to God. That's something we all fail to do. Then he died on the cross, taking on all our sin and the sins of all the world. He died and was buried. Then he rose again on the third day and offers forgiveness now from sin, eternal hope, and life with God. To restore us to righteousness. Man creates the chasm. Jesus builds the bridge. That is our hope. That is our hope. Too often we get comfortable in our own little world, don't we? We compare ourselves with murderers and thieves. We, we compare ourselves with terrorists. We, we like grading ourselves on a curve. You've heard me say that a lot. We grade everybody else on a very strict standard. But ourselves, man, we're on a big old curve. Right? It's like that physics class I've told you about. I got like a 38 on a test and got a C. Right? That was a big old, that was almost a full circle curve. Uh, some of us grade ourselves like that, don't we? I'm a great junior on a straight line, but man, I'm a curve. I'm curving when it comes to me because I have a deal with God. I got a different standard I live under. No, you don't. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We compare ourselves and we think we're good people. But you and I still reject God in the way we talk and the way we act and the attitudes we have. We put idols, as we've been learning about the last several weeks, before God. We live with our own selfish ambition rather than the glory of God. We still need this Christmas message to be real in our lives. We still need to know there is hope. There is hope. Don't get me wrong. I think about this baby. I think about the 400 years of silence since God had last spoken to the prophets in Malachi. And this one that was promised shows up in all places. 
a manger, a feed trough, as Cameron talked about. Now, many of us would have predicted a baby. Not many of us would have predicted a baby or Mary in Bethlehem. But that is where we are, and that's where our hope exists. So there's two things I want to share with you this morning about hope. Uh, two reasons we have hope this Christmas season. Number one, light has come. The Bible says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. But in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's, can we read that in the Message Bible too? You got that in the Message Bible? The Word was first. The Word was present to God, God present to the Word. The Word was God, in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without Him. What came into existence was life. And the life was light to live by. This is really good here. The life light blazed out of the darkness. And the darkness could not put it out. Light has come. That's why we have hope this Christmas season. Because the light has come. John's gospel is all about Jesus, let's be honest. It's one of the few gospels that has no Christmas marriage or celebration. You don't learn about the birth of Jesus Christ and the narration of Jesus Christ. But in reality, we do in the very first five verses. John sums it all up really short and sweet. In the beginning was light and the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all of a sudden, light shows up. That's John's Christmas message. That's John's Christmas message. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. All right, let's get to more things. It's kind of what John does. And he actually goes on in John chapter 20, verse 31. He tells us why he wrote it that way, right? He tells us why he wrote it that way. He wrote it, it says, written to help people believe of Jesus Christ and have eternal life. He didn't spend a lot of time on, on the nativity or the angels or, or the shepherds or wise guys. He spent it all on light has come. Oh, let's get to, the, let's get to the, the meat of this bone right now. There's nothing wrong with the Christmas story, though. It's written to help us. John was very specific here to include the creation moment from Genesis chapter 1 to let us know that Jesus was involved in creation, the spoken word. But when he tells us he is the light of the world, have you ever pondered how powerful light is? Light is powerful. You know, they, they tell us all the time. They keep these big old telescopes like in Green Bank. You ever been to Green Bank, West Virginia? How many of you have never been to Green Bank, West Virginia? Man, y'all got to go up there and see that. That's really, really... That's, that's crazy impressive. You're out in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> these massive 600-foot, 700-foot telescopes are there. Green Bank, West Virginia is on a specific plateau that there's only like two or three places in the entire world that have that unobstructed view to the heavens. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a long drive. and yeah, it's, But man, it's impressive. And if you get on there, it's really, uh, they, they still have like all 19s and 50s and 60s cars. It's almost like going back in time. It's kind of odd. looks that federal government Philly thing. But, but man, those Green Bank, those big telescopes tell us they're always finding new universes and new stars and new planets. You know what? Because in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light. He never told it to stop. God didn't tell the light to stop. He didn't say, okay, go so far and stop. He said, let there be light. So guess what? It's continually going forth. That's why they're finding new things, because God never told light to stop. Never told it to stop. Light dispels darkness. Verse 5 of the Message Bible says, light, The life light blazed out of the darkness, 
and the darkness couldn't put it out. Man, that's good stuff. The life, light. He's not only a light, but he gives life. He's not a light bulb. He's a life-giving light. And he blazed out of the darkness, and darkness couldn't do nothing about it. That's John's Christmas message. Light, darkness, can't do nothing about it. End story. That's the gospel of John's Christmas message. When one is in the dark, they're desperately seeking for any light. Guidance for safety. That's one thing we noticed about Maui. Man, when it gets dark over there, it just gets dark. There's not street lights. There's, it's just beach everywhere, right? And man, when it, at 6.30 when the sun went down, it was just pitch black everywhere. It was kind of eerie at times. I mean, it's pretty cool, though. You could always see the moon on the, on the ocean or whatever. But when it got dark, it got dark. And when you're in darkness and you're searching for light, man, just a little flicker of light brings hope, doesn't it? Just a small little, that's why nightlights are so popular. You don't have to light up the whole house. That little nightlight will guide you through the darkness. Light reveals the nature of all who come in contact with it. You look in a mirror, you need a well-lit room, right? Don't do you no good to look in the mirror in the dark. Can't see yourself. Your hair will be all messed up. Light will shine in darkness. When it does, it reveals and exposes. And when in verse 5 he tells us it cannot be put out, he's telling us there's something about the light that has come that will not be stopped. Even the human refusal to accept it doesn't stop it. Even an atheist or agnostic to try to reason away, it doesn't stop the light. It doesn't stop that. Sorry, that's your opinion. Light's still moving. Darkness can't put it out. There's something about the light has come that will not be stopped. Let me say this. Your opinion of Christmas and Christ will not stop the light. Amen. It just won't. John said it best. The life lights come and darkness couldn't put it out. End of story. That's the end game. Get in the light train, right? Plug into that light. Without light, all life will eventually die. Darkness will always impede life or growth. But light counters and brings life. Jesus is described here brings sustainment. It is what you and I need. We don't need a salva- only a salvation experience. We need someone that can sustain us and keep us and help us and make us grow. And that's what he does in salvation. He doesn't just save us. He sustains us. That's what true light does. It sustains us. He supports. He strengthens us spiritually, mentally, and physically. In one magnificent statement, God's plan for humanity is revealed. Life, light, blaze out of darkness. And the darkness couldn't put it out. That's the statement. Light has reference also to understanding. For instance, when someone finally grasps something, what would we say? The light has come on. (laughs) Ding! Light bulb comes on, right? They get it! The hundredth time, but they finally get it. So John gives us an example of a Christmas story. Light has come, and there is nothing anyone can do to stop it. I love Christmas. How many of you love Christmas? If you don't love Christmas... Shame on you. Uh, I love everything about it. I don't know. I enjoy, I don't enjoy gift buying. Not as much as Kelly, but I enjoy gift buying. Kelly wanted me to go shopping with her yesterday. And she told everybody at Bath and Body Works I was going to be there. That place was packed. Then I thought it was for me. It had some like $8 candle special. I was there just to carry candles yesterday. I know I was there. 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. I rolled in junior. It was terrible. There were people everywhere. Uh, but we bought some candles. Um, I enjoy the hustle and bustle. I like buying gifts on Christmas Eve. How many of you like my, uh, that? How many would you rather buy them last second? Jeff, 
Broly, my kind of guys. My kind of guys. Because, you know, Kelly likes to buy them October 31st and have them wrapped under the tree by November 3rd. We don't even have a tree up and they're already wrapped. All I hear is, I ain't got no closet space. Put the tree up. Got a place to put it. I'll be honest, this morning, the reason I like to buy gifts late, because if I buy it early, I'll give it to you 10 days before Christmas. <laughs> December 15th. Nah, I just couldn't wait. Merry Christmas. Ruins the whole moment. I want to give it to you. Oh, why do I do that? Oh, because light has come. All that happens because light has come. I enjoy the Christmas cartoon. There's something still awesome about watching Rudolph. I mean, you, you remake that, that'd be a sin. 1964 character, wasn't even really, a, I guess it was a cartoon. It was more of a character thing. It still captivates us today, doesn't it? Still captivates it. Well, at least me. There's some things that are original better than the rest, right? Only when it's an original. I love Herbie who wants to be a dentist. He wants to pull teeth out. Man, he got to pull some out at the end. The land of misfit toys, I love that. Maybe because I'm supposed to be on that land. I can relate. I'm a big Frosty the Snowman fan. I used to cry when Frosty melt. I'll never forget, you thought somebody would have died. And Frosty melt, I was like 10 years old, and I was just bawling my eyes out. Frosty, man. I love the Santa Claus movies with Tim Allen. I love the first Home Alone, not the hundred others they've made since then. I love Cousin Eddie! Christmas vacation, right? It's a constant reminder that family can mess it all up. You all have that Cousin Eddie in your house. If you don't know who it is, it might be you. <laughs> you... You just might be Cousin Eddie if you can't figure out. Who's our Cousin Eddie? It might be you, Hoop. I don't know, man. Who could not want to watch Elf 32 times this month? I love Elf. I love Buddy. I love Christmas. Grace. He wants you to say grace. I pledge allegiance to the flag. No holiday would be complete without 24 hours of the Christmas story. You're going to put your eye out, Ralphie. You're going to shoot your eye out. Red Ryder BB. Kelly's dad, watched. he could watch it all 24 hours and laugh the same all 24 hours. <laughs> I can watch it once. And I can laugh. But after that, I'm all right. I've seen that. I love Christmas. All this for light has come. This holiday is countered is centered on the birth of our Savior. A king has come to save the day. All those other things happen. Why? Because light has come. We have Christmas movies and Christmas trees and Christmas sales and Black Fridays and Blue Mondays and whatever else they come up with. Why? Because light has come. Light has come. I'll never forget one Christmas when I was a kid. I probably shared this with you. I was probably 9 or 10, probably about the same time I cried about frosty melting. And I used to not, I did not like sleeping in the dark. So I always slept with the light on in my room. I had a Dallas Cowboy. Man, it was awesome. Dave, where you at? It was awesome. A little Dallas Cowboy helmet. I should have kept that, David. Mom probably threw it away. They, they won four straight, Dave. There's hope for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so, so my parents got tired of us getting up at 2 a.m. and just ravaging the house with all the toys. 
And I slept with the light on. So I got up. I don't know. I swear I saw Rudolph that night come down on the door. I think it was an airplane. <laughs> now that I know more. Uh, I really did. I was laying in bed. I said, Rudolph, I saw it blinking. It's a plane. Um, but I remember I woke up, and I went downstairs, and I flipped every switch in the house, and nothing came on. <laughs> My parents took every light bulb out of every lamp, every, everything downstairs. Everything was gone. But light has come. What they forgot was about my lamp. So I wrestled upstairs, unplugged the little Dallas Cowboy lamp, Dave, plugged that bad boy in. Hallelujah. Light has come. Light changes everything. That's the year I got this really cool Space Invaders game. It was gray with red digitals. Man, I played that for decades. Man, I love that game. Why? All that happened because light has come. My parents tried to dispel light. They didn't win. They didn't win. Light has come. When I was home alone, I mean, I love light. When I was home alone as a kid, my parents would tell me, we know you're home, Don, because every light in the house is on. (laughs) Kelly will tell me now, I know you're home alone because every light in the house is on. Kelly likes darkness. I like light. I like light. Gosh, I love Christmas because this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This baby, this Christ child is the reason Christmas is what it is, not Santa. Jesus came to save Santa too. As I told you, I love celebrating the birth of our king. A king has come to save us. Peace on earth was born in a manger. Man, why do we just sing that at Christmas, Greg? We can sing it all year long. We sing Easter songs all year long. We ought to be singing Christmas carols in July. We need a July Christmas service. Gosh, peace on earth was born in a manger. Come to save us. We have our Savior. Hope is here. Hope has arrived. Christmas is a reminder that no matter how ordinary life is, it becomes extraordinary when God gets involved. I mean, we read that the angels appeared to the shepherds, that the sky opened up. I mean, it had to be an awesome experience to see. And God was just announcing the birth. This hope was showing up. He was announcing it to the entire world. Light has come. No more darkness. No more hopeless days. No more hopeless nights. For the light has come. This is Christmas. In Bethlehem, the Savior has arrived. The promised one, the Son of God. This Christmas begins what Easter celebrates. This babe wrapped in swaddling clothes will soon become the king on a cross. That it all started when light entered into our world. Number two, we have hope this Christmas season. Is do you know what I know? I love that song. Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king. Do you know what I know? In your palace warm mighty king. Do you know what I know? A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. This one's kind of tricky when you think about it. You think that knowing the story, knowing the holiday is enough. But in reality, the knowing is only head knowledge. So many people can easily allow the story that never changes to lose its impact. Let me say this. This is not a rerun. But Don, I've been hearing the same story for 
for X amount of years, your whole life. It's still not a rerun. This isn't a rerun. This is the hope that changed the world. This is the birth of our Savior. This is Emmanuel, God with us. Not above us, not near us, but with us. Yet at times we allow this season to lose its meaning because we know the story. We know how this is all going to go down. We even know how it's going to go down here at Living Faith Church. I've already given, we've already given you the lay of the land. We're going to talk about hope. Then we're going to talk about uh, peace and joy and love. Then we're going to, Pastor Frank's going to have communion on Christmas Eve. And Man, that's the story of Christmas. We're get, we've laid the law down for you. But no, we can't just know this. We have to live this. Knowing is not enough. Knowing is not enough. Knowing the story is what makes me worship. Knowing the story is what still amazes me year after year after year. Jesus came to save us, not just from politics, but from difficulties. He came to save us from ourselves. We needed a Savior, and because of Bethlehem, we now have Him. Peace on earth was born in a manger. Knowing is not enough. I know gravity works. Some of you know that. How many of you believe in gravity? Some of you don't. I will take you out on the roof right now and prove it to you. How many of you believe in gravity? There we go. It's better. Just Zach Thomas has been thrown off the roof. Uh, I believe in gravity. I know gravity's there, but I also believe in it because I'm not dumb enough to go up on the roof and jump off. Right? Knowing something and believing something are two different things. You may know this Christmas story, and that's great. I want you to believe this Christmas story. I want you to believe in this hope that was born over 2,000 years ago for mankind. I don't want you to just know it this season. I want you to believe it. This life-giving, life-altering, life-changing God came to save us. I want you to believe that, not just know that. We're going to have pancakes with Santa tomorrow night. We had 38 kids sign up last month. We've bought extra gifts if more show up. I want those kids to have hope. I want them to give them a glimmer of hope. Even if it's just a candle. Even if it's just a nightlight of hope in their dark world. I want them to see a flicker of hope. We sold over 28 cakes Wednesday night. At some stupid pace at $60 a cake. That's awesome, by the way. Not, not to see how much money we could raise so that we could bring a flicker of hope to a lost and dying world. It wasn't see who make the best cake. It was to say, let's bring a flicker of hope to a lost and dying world. People paid $120 for a cake. Was it a good cake, Janie? Was it good? She said it was worth it. Sharon made those cakes. You've got to make 10 next year at that pace. That'd be $3,400. <laughs> then everybody else can add theirs. We'd make about $10,000 next year. But we do that to bring hope. Not because we know this story, because we believe in this story. That's why we sell cakes. That's why we bake cakes. Because we believe in this story. We want to bring a flicker of hope to a lost and dying world. This life light will blaze out of the darkness. And it can't be put out. They can't do nothing about it. That's why we do these things. That's why I'm pulling my hair out, even though I don't have hair, Junior. I'm still pulling it out on Wednesday nights. It's just play practice these kids. Why? Because I want a flicker of hope to show in our If you wait to see our shepherds, man, our shepherds can get down. There's going to be a moment the shepherds are just, I mean, it's, only I would allow them to do that, right? They're, they're getting it down. 
Don't miss it for the world. December 19th, Junior, put it on the calendar. I expect to see you. But knowing is not enough. We've got to believe this story. That's why we sell cakes. That's why we, we bring pancakes and Santa Claus in. To believe in this story, not just to know this story. This babe wrapped in swaddling clothes is lying in a manger. But do we believe it? You can go to most people's house, and it doesn't matter whether they believe in God or not. They may be the biggest atheist in the world. They probably still have a Christmas tree. They have a tree in their house. They're displaying the hope of our coming Savior, whether they know it or not. The star or an angel on a tree represents the star told about in the nativity story. Or the angels who appeared to the shepherds to announce the Messiah. The colored lights represent the same hope and joy that God gives. The tree is traditionally an evergreen. which It never loses its collar. Think about that. Never loses its collar. It's eternally green, displaying the collar of hope in an eternal God. Isn't that awesome? Even those who don't believe, they're announcing it with their decorations. You can call Christmas anything you want, but you can never escape what the symbols of Christmas truly really means. What are the two primary colors of Christmas? Red and green, right? Hope in God, joy in believing. Hope and joy. That's what Advent reminds of us. That no matter how good or bad our year was, God's been there and He brings hope. Two times a year at church is attended more than any other time. Christmas and Easter. I believe that the lost are silently screaming, help me. I can't do it anymore. I don't know where to run. I don't know what to do. They come to church out of guilt. They come to church out of desperation. They come to church out of pressure. It doesn't really matter why they come, but they do. It's a perfect opportunity that we share the hope that we have. So today, in the midst of whatever darkness you feel, hope has come. In your emptiness, in your fearful days, hope has come. From darkness to light, in one glorious silent night, when the angels sang to the shepherds, hope was born. So today, in the midst of whatever darkness you feel, Hope has come. Hope is never lost. Hope is always there. You can just know. But you know you can believe that as well. Let us pray. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for hope today. I thank you despite all that's wrong in our world, all that's broken or all that's displaced or all that's shattered or all that's empty. You bring hope. May Living Faith Church, may the people in this building be messengers of hope. May our smiles show hope. May our walk express hope. May our giving be the giving that you want us to give to bring hope. May we be a flicker of light in a dark world.